Well, here's the thing: is that Vince has never stopped pooping his pants. <laughs> He's constantly shitting. <laughs> it's me, Austin. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you and sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch! Oh, my God. I did it for the love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short-time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton. And that's the bottom line, because Saddam Hussein said so. Green. And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zack. Santa's big helper, Barlow. Oh, Santa's big helper, so like a big old elf. Yeah, yeah, chunky one. Chunky elf. This is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the greatest shows, rivalries, matches, political issues... (laughs) that come to mind when I think about the the world wrestling entertainment. Yeah, you know, maybe we should change uh, in the intro there where you say greatest. Um, because I definitely don't think this qualifies. Isn't it wild that we that for two episodes in a row, we've had shows that deal a lot with Saddam Hussein. Yeah, Saddam Hussein yet, was a big player for about 10 years, huh? Yeah, yet these two shows are 13 years apart. <laughs> oh, man. Well, here's the thing. If you know about Saddam Hussein, but you don't know a lot about wrestling, uh, don't worry, don't fret, because as you'll soon find out, I don't either. So, Peyton, what are we going to be talking about today? I do have to ask, does that mean that you do know a lot about Saddam Hussein? Yeah, I mean, I got I got some Saddam facts. All right, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm ready for you to hit me with them. Okay. Uh, but today, oh, oh, Saddam yeah, yeah, fact me number with... one, he was the leader of Iraq. Saddam fact number two, he invaded Kuwait. Saddam well, fact don't number give, three. Don't give them all to me right now. We got to get make it through the whole episode. <laughs> George H.W. Bush never got over being horny for Saddam. Yeah, it was uh, it was the biggest feud. <laughs> yeah, you know, you could say that, huh? You could. It was a regular. It was a regular. Uh, regular Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. Those two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, today we're going to be talking about a little thing that the WWE started doing this year uh, in 2003. The uh, the tribute to the troops, where every Christmas they would go to Iraq or Afghanistan. Or lately, they've started going to, like, local, or not local, but, like, uh, different bases in the United States to do this. Yeah, the kind uh, man that uploaded this to YouTube said that they, they, like, he had 2003 to 2010 because they were filmed, like, on foreign soil. So I guess somehow that, that negates copyright. So, I, don't, I, don't I don't think that that's true, though. Yeah, that I don't think so either. That 100% isn't true. But he was like, hey, I've got 2003 to 2010 because those were on foreign soil. I ain't got nothing else for you. That means, like, 
you know, uh, like, you know, WWE did WrestleMania 18 in Canada. Does that mean, like, I can just rip WrestleMania 18 just because it was in Canada? Yeah, it was weird. Um, I don't think that that man understands copyright law entirely and will almost certainly be served with a takedown notice at some point, but I'm glad that we got to him before that. Yeah, I could just, I can just, like... You know, any movie that's been for, that's been filmed in another country is is mine. Is yours now? Yeah. The uh, you know, let's cover Crown Jewel next time. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings. That's my movie. Mm-hmm. There you go. Peter Jackson cannot lay claim to it because it was filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, and New Zealand is in America, and America's the only country that has copyright laws. Yep, that's it. That's exactly correct. Um, interesting to note, they did call this, they never called this one Tribute to the Troops, they called it Christmas from Baghdad. I guess they didn't really know it was going to be a regular thing. Yeah, I didn't um, really think that one was going to be running for, uh, going on 16 years now, huh? Yeah, and they were like, surely this war won't last this long. Yeah, there's a bunch of fun little moments like that throughout the show where they're like, these troops came over here thinking that they were just going to be spending a couple of months, and it's been a whole year and I'm like, oh boy, they don't know. Yeah. They also, I, they keep talking about, you know, Saddam Hussein and capturing him and, and killing him. But it's going to be like five more years? I think uh, later I have in my notes, I looked up the actual, the actual amount of time it would be before, before Saddam Hussein was captured and, and, and killed. But... Uh, oh no no no! I'm thinking You're of thinking later of they mentioned Bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. no, they Saddam do mention Osama. got out got out yes. of the way pretty early. But they do mention Osama. Like, there's a guy with a sign in the audience that says Osama's next, and it's like, man, you got you got some time. Yeah, you got some waiting to do till let's see, like 2010 maybe. Yeah, it was 08. 08? Oh, okay, I didn't realize it was that early in the Obama presidency. But yeah. Um, it, and that's the thing, is that, like, there's there's a lot of dunking on Saddam Hussein who had uh, all of nothing to do with 9-11. I know, they mention 9-11 a lot here, even though, you know, as we know. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch this and, you know... Oh, yeah, I mean, we've done shows before, like, last week we talked about how that was a bit of a time capsule, and this is definitely one as well. Yeah, so we're in, um... Uh, this is December of 2003, so right in the middle of the Ruthless Aggression era, uh, and then, of course, not too long after 9-11. Apparently, the idea for this show is credited to uh, Bradshaw, uh, came up with the idea. Uh, Like, the the WWE's most outspoken Republican. Um, (laughs) No, really. uh, Apparently, there was one time, because WWE thinks doing political stuff is a good idea they did a uh a debate where bradshaw debated the republican perspective and mick foley debated the democrat perspective for one of the presidential elections it was it was an odd idea for sure that is just it's like who was asking for that yeah you know okay but you gotta think, Vince McMahon's got a lot of time to fill. A lot of time. You know, some wacky things come out. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, 
So they're going to take the uh, the SmackDown guys over to Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, it airs on Christmas Day. Uh, but uh, from what I'm told, you know, this was kind of like a volunteer thing. They were like, hey, whoever wants to go can go. Because uh, there were a lot of guys in the locker room who were like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> like, yeah, I see why you would be. Um, you know, especially when we're talking about Iraq, because there's a lot of baggage, you know, that goes with the war in Iraq. So, you know, that we, you know, definitely don't have time to get into. Uh, you know, or we could just make this whole episode debating uh, the war in Iraq. Yeah, let's yeah. just give a whole history lesson on the war in Iraq first. It's like how that episode, speaking of like weird political things, it's like how there's an episode of Scrubs where they like, half of the cast, de- like, or the cast breaks off into sides on the Iraq war and debates it. Boy, the early 2000s were weird, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, like, tried to make it, like, a really powerful emotional episode, too, that, like, ends with, you know, we all have different opinions, but we're all Americans. Like, that kind of bullshit. What? Yeah. That's just... Just absolute insanity. I Yeah. Why? Why were people just like that for a while? I don't know, but, like, there was a lot, like, especially in wrestling, there was a lot of stuff like that. Like, so many characters, like, even the most unexpected characters became patriotic, like The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But, uh, but yeah, of course JBL is the one who comes up with this, um, and, uh, and so we go to Iraq, um... For, for this event, uh, really only a handful of wrestlers actually go. Because, um, you know, we don't actually have a lot of matches. Yeah, really. there's, what, four matches through this whole thing? Yeah, uh, depending on if you count the Santa's Little Helper match as a match. Uh, yeah, and I definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that anyone does. Um, so we're gonna start the show with a with a nice shot of the American flag in a very weirdly fast version of the national anthem. Yes, by someone who cannot sing the national anthem. Well, it felt like it felt like she was speeding through it. Like someone was like, "Okay, hurry, we don't have a lot of time." Like, yeah, it was weird. Like right out the gate, we're running out of time. Apparently, uh, which is odd considering how much time is filled with nothing. Yeah. And considering this is not live, so... <laughs> yeah. I wonder if maybe in post-production they just sped up her, her singing because it was taking too long. Honestly, that doesn't seem like that crazy of a concept. Yeah, it seems like something the WWE would try to do. Uh, so, uh, we get a look at all the excited troops. The arena has an interesting setup. Now, I, I will say, this was... Like, a cool idea. This was, like, a nice idea to give something to these troops that, you know, are out there, you know, regardless of what you think about the war. You know, there's these people who are fighting overseas that don't get to, you know, watch wrestling. And so, you know, we're going to bring it to them. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes along with it, but, you know, it, it it is a nice gesture. Yeah, I mean, it is... I think that it is to to get the American people horny for war, but, you know, I guess it's a nice gesture, maybe, perhaps. 
it definitely is. Okay, I'm not going to say that there aren't, you know, some things about it that are, like, a little bit questionable. It's not not propaganda, but it's, it's not a nice not, piece of propaganda. But, you know, I, I mean, at least, like, you know, you're giving someone who wouldn't otherwise have it something to enjoy. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I guess so. It's, it's what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, the first coming out is going to be Vince McMahon, uh, who is, uh, who's going to come out to thank the troops for their service. Uh, I think you mentioned here that, uh, you know, uh, everybody gets to break kayfabe. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, like, um, especially here at the beginning of the show and the end of the show is like, you know, we, we have our differences, but... At the end of the day, we're all Americans, and we're so it's proud like to be here for you, the real heroes. If I have to hear how the troops are the real heroes one more time today, I'm going to lose my mind. It's, uh, yeah, it's, there are a lot of things that I heard way too many times, like, like, you know, kicking Saddam's ass and stuff. Uh, Vince McMahon, he says, thank you for kicking ass, taking names, and capturing Saddam, which hasn't been done yet, so I don't know why he says that. No, I think this is right after the capture of Saddam Hussein, isn't it? See, I I looked it up, and they also say some other things that make it seem like he has not been captured. Uh, um, what I think it is happens after is it he has been like, uh... Oh shit! No, you're you're right. He had been captured. Okay, he just wasn't put to death. Yeah, he was not yet hanged. Much later. Okay, I guess that's what I was confused because it literally happened like just a couple weeks before this. Yeah. So I think at this time everyone's thinking, okay, we're about to go home now. Yeah, yeah. This is this is when we have the mission accomplished banner, right? Yes. Or or somewhere around that time. I, I do believe so. I'm talking about this like I remember it, but I was like fucking what, like in third grade when this happened. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, actually uh, I was in second grade when this. No, I was in fourth grade. I was in fourth grade when this happened. So really, really letting you guys know how young we really are. Uh, yeah, no, the mission accomplished speech was May first, two thousand three. Okay. Oh, and that was even before Saddam Hussein was captured. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Um. And that was, uh, of course, a infamous speech given by George W. Bush aboard an aircraft carrier where he announced that the mission had been accomplished, but we're, we're still there. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a guy I mentioned. Uh, uh, he has a sign that says Osama is next. That's about five years off. <laughs> um, and then, uh, oh, let's talk about, like, the, uh, the setup, because it's not, like, a typical arena, obviously. They're, like, kind of out in the open. There's a lot of camo and Humvees and Jeeps all hanging about. Oh, for sure. Um, it looks cool. Like, it, it's a, it's a cool thing. It looks very, like, you know, like, oh, we just threw this ring together kind of thing. Yeah, which they um, love to talk about how they just threw that ring together. And they also show us a video where it shows the troops setting up the ring, which feels a little bit like, okay, what the fuck, guys? Yeah, we're going to come over here and put on a show for y'all, but you're going to have to build everything. Yeah, I do have to think about it. I mean, 
it probably was a little bit of a burden on them to be like, okay, here's a group of wrestlers who are here who we now have to protect. Yeah, no, and I would love to know how much the, like, USO or whatever paid <laughs> Vince McMahon to do this. Mm. Um. So uh, Vince says he's bringing a slice of Americana, but then he's interrupted by none other than Santa Claus. <sighs> can't imagine Santa... I can't believe Santa's here. I can't believe they booked Santa Claus to wrestle. I know, man. Like, you know, gotta have a busy schedule. Especially because this is airing on Christmas Day, so we're supposed to be under the impression that this is live on Christmas. Motherfucker has just spent all night going to everybody's house. And you telling me he's coming here to to fuck around with Vince McMahon? I guess so. Um, Vince insults Santa's weight, which is like, dude, what the fuck? That's like one of the things he's known for. Yeah, you can't have a skinny Santa Claus, just like you shouldn't have a skinny Eggman. Exactly. <laughs> uh... Yeah, Santa's going to hand out presents to the troops, and Vince says Santa skipped over his house every year on Christmas. Um, but he was always a good kid, which I uh, I am sure is not true. Yeah, like, he was always a good Vince... kid, just plotting to kill his own dad. Is it weird that if I imagine Vince as a child, I just imagine like a baby with like old Vince McMahon's head on it? No, that's exactly what I imagine. It's like a, a kid in a suit with Vince McMahon's head, just small. Yeah, doing that walk, also <laughs> pooping his pants. Doing the poop his pants walk. and But this time it, like, made sense. Vince hits Santa and knocks him to the ground, like, biggest heel move of all time, right? Yeah, I mean, how can you can't attack Santa and look like a good guy, that's for sure. Uh, but it turns out Santa was Steve Austin the whole time. But, you know, this doesn't happen before we get, like, five minutes of him walking through the crowd handing out t-shirts, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, I just kind of skipped over that part because I wasn't interested. Yeah, it took forever. Um, yeah, and so Austin hits a stunner on Vince, he starts drinking beers, the commentators are like, whoa, what the fuck, because Stone Cold's from Raw, uh, but he, uh, he just had to show up because Steve Austin is a huge patriot, as we know. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a you can't really have a tribute to the troops in the early 2000s without Steve Austin. It, of course not. Stone Cold is the epitome of of, of America. Uh, it's pretty cool though cuz Steve Austin was retired from the ring at this point, but he was still, you know, making appearances and stuff. But not retired from dishing out a Stone Cold stunner, of course. No, but you can never retire from that. That's a lifelong job. Oh, for sure. He's still doing it to this day. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we get a stunner on Vince because, I mean, who doesn't love a stunner on Vince? Uh, you know, it's it's not WWE without it. Um, also, I can't believe there's a time that it was okay that Austin could be walking around wearing a shirt that says, Fuck Fear. I did not notice that. Wow. Really? Oh, it, well, it doesn't say fuck. Well, it's got a, a skull where the U would be. But it's it's fuck fear is what it says. Wow, I did not. I somehow completely overlooked that. They sold it online and stuff. And I remember as a kid, I was like, "What does fuck fear mean?" <laughs> because I thought the I thought the skull was an O. And I'm sure I asked my parents that, and they were like, "I don't know what they told me." But, oh man. Yeah, 
WWE is now kid friendly. Stone Cold's walking around wearing a shirt saying "fuck fear," and John <laughs> Cena has a finisher called the "fuck you." Yep. And Super Monday Night Raw, hits. Monday Night Raw's theme song was a song that had the word "fuck" in it. It was it was censored when it played on Raw, but it had the word "fuck" in it. That is wow. Um. Anyway, so uh, so Steve Austin says, "If you're cool with Stone Cold going in the back and drinking some more damn beers, give me a hell yeah." And it's like, why are they gonna cheer? They're gonna cheer for you just leaving? Yeah, I mean, because he was otherwise he was like, I was gonna come out here and sing some carols, but I started drinking these beers. I wanted to hear Stone Cold give Christmas carols, and he did not give the audience a chance to cheer for that option. Let me tell you, Stone Cold singing is very funny because Stone Cold went through this weird heel phase where he like hung out with Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon, and there's a time where him and Kurt Angle are both trying to cheer Mr. McMahon up and sing him songs, and they both start playing the guitar and trying to sing to him, and it's very funny. That sounds hilarious. Um... Austin says it's his pleasure to perform the troops. He gets to flip. He gets everyone to flip the middle finger and says Saddam could stick it straight up his ass. Yeah. And it's like, man, what a time. You know, Steve Austin's out here wearing a shirt that says "fuck." He's flipping off the troops, and he and he and he's he's talking about finger blasting Saddam Hussein. <laughs> it's and it's all just so strange because, like, honestly. Looking back on it, I think it's hard to get someone to tell you, like, the link between the Iraq War and 9-11, other than it happened after it. Yeah. But yeah, here, I mean, they're acting like Saddam Hussein was personally responsible. Yeah. And there's a t- I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't know any different. I thought that. Yeah, I guess we all kind of did, but no one, no one was like, no one stood up and was like, "Hey, but why though?" Yeah. Um. So we're gonna show some clips from earlier this week. The SmackDown superstars get a briefing about safety situations, and the sergeant explains what to do if there's sniper fire. They're really selling it that they're like really in a lot of danger. Uh, this is this is like the the like. Prime grade A troop porn. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, troop porn is a phrase I didn't think I would say. Um, I didn't think you would either, but here we are. I will say, as a kid though, this is exactly the kind of thing that me and my weird redneck friends would have gone nuts for. Yeah, man. People went nuts for it. I mean, that's why they've done it for sixteen years. And also, uh, at this point, if you cancel it, it's kind of, uh... Yeah. yeah. If they didn't do it, it would be... It would be wild. Um, also, there's a... They show a clip, and in that clip, they show Steve Austin with them. So it's like, okay, why were the announcers acting like they were surprised Steve Austin was there if they knew he was there? Yeah, we only flew over here with him and stayed in a weird palace with him last night, but we are shocked at his presence. Uh, And that's when we see the troops helping out set up the ring, or not even really helping, just doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So we're going to go to our first match. It's going to be the world's greatest tag team, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin versus the APA, Bradshaw and Farouk. Now, in your notes, you were like, oh, I can't believe they got some jobbers out here. World's greatest tag team is not jobbers, although they kind of do the job in this match. They, 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 uh, they were a pretty decent tag team, won the titles a few times, and Shelton Benjamin ended up uh, having a pretty decent career, too. Oh, weird that I've never heard of them. Uh, we've seen some Shelton Benjamin matches. Uh, he was in a couple of the Money in the Bank matches. He was the guy who ran up the ladder. Oh, okay. Uh, Charlie Haas is definitely the Marty Jannetty of this team. <laughs> um, uh, Bradshaw's dressed up all in military gear because, you know, he's the, he's the, uh, the one who, who got this shindig started. Now, this is before his, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson gimmick, as you called it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many strange decisions. Why? I just, but we don't have time to get into his Lyndon B. Johnson gimmick right now. Um, yeah. Taz is talking about how Bradshaw even plans to stay after SmackDown leaves. I do have this question. I can't tell if the commentators were there or not, and I'm leaning towards that they were not there. I also, and you know what? Now that you mention it. It really does seem like they were not there. We never saw them. We never saw them. And not in any of the any of the clips or stuff. So I think they just did all their commentary posts. I don't think the commentators went. And there would be no reason for them to, really. Yeah, no, for sure. Because it's it's not a live show, so they're not doing live commentary. Uh, I, I so I'm pretty sure they did it in post. Yeah, no, that would absolutely make sense. Because, yeah, yeah they might... never show them in any of the, like you said, in any of the packages or anything like that where they're like, oh, this is the behind-the-scenes stuff. We never see them. Despite the fact that Cole tries to sell it and say that Taz is wearing, like, desert gear. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Um. So, uh, the APA is going to double-team Shelton Benjamin. Uh... Charlie Haas gets in. Bradshaw's going to take the upper hand. Uh, it's mostly uh, APA dominating the whole time. Uh, although Haas and Benjamin do get in some decent offense uh, with a double suplex on Farouk. Uh, Bradshaw's going to hit a shoulder tackle and knock Shelton out of the ring. Charlie Haas goes to the top rope, but Bradshaw goes up there, hits a last call, fall away slam from the top rope. Benjamin comes in, super kicks Bradshaw. Farouk slams Benjamin, but Haas knocks him out of the ring, and then Bradshaw hits a clothesline from hell and pins Charlie Haas for the three count. It's a pretty quick match. Nothing really to say about it. The matches here aren't anything to write home about. No, the matches are definitely, like, usually pretty short, pretty bad. Um, and, and also, the commentary team never talks about the match. They're always like, this is the name of Blank Soldier from Blank Battalion. Then they told me that they're a soldier and that they're here in the war. And just that is all that commentary is. Yeah, it's really like the matches are like like, like a sideshow pretty much here. Yeah. Uh, There's no storylines, which that's fine, you know. Well, there are a little bit, but it's fine that there's no real storylines. But it would be nice to, you know, kind of give us some some good matches. Um, They're... uh, 
<laughs> you're talking about how they talk about the soldiers. There's one point, I don't know if you caught this, they talk about a soldier who is from Jacksonville, Mississippi. I did catch that. I did catch that. And there's a, not a Jacksonville, Mississippi. So they're either from Florida or Jackson. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure which, but I did think that was funny. Jacksonville, Mississippi. There could be a Jacksonville, Mississippi. I feel like I'm learning about a new city in Mississippi all the time. But I figure probably not. I figure they are probably from Jacksonville, Florida, or Jackson, Mississippi. And we'll <laughs> never know. Um, so backstage, I did air quotes because it's not really a stage. Also, these, all these things, I assume the troops never saw any of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but Steve Austin is pumping up Chris Benoit for his match against Eddie Guerrero. Uh, and then Rikishi is getting ready, and the camera is just following his big old ass around. He's keeping that camera on his butt. And I get that Rikishi's butt guy, but still, please. Imagine just being butt guy. I, uh, he loved it, though, it seemed. Can you believe that there's a wrestler named Mr. Ass and it's not Rikishi? <laughs> Uh, we're gonna hear some stories from the soldiers about their about how they're missing their family. They're giving holiday greetings. We're basically we do this. This is like twenty percent of the show is the soldiers just. And I get it. Like I mean, it's. I I don't want to hate on like like genuine messages from soldiers. It's the only genuine thing about this entire show. Yeah. Uh, but, like, guess what? Every soldier misses their family and wishes that they were not in a pointless war in Iraq. Yeah. Um, which, you know, my my dis, my obvious disdain for this show should not be directed at, at soldiers. They, they didn't really do anything wrong uh, other than just be duped. But, you know, um, it's, it's just like, why? Why are why is this happening? Why did you do this in Iraq of all places? Yeah. Yeah, for their first one, they went to the most pointless place. And like, yeah, go and if you're going to do do a show there, like why televise it, you know? Like why why not go do like you would a house show or something? And, no, and because if they don't televise it, then they don't get like all the kudos from the great job they did being so great to our troops. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and that's the thing is that it's one big sort of publicity all around. It's like getting people hyped for war and getting people who like war hyped for the WWE. And they they pimped this all like for like a month talking about how they're going and like doing press conferences on it and yeah I mean they were really trying to show off. Uh, backstage again, uh, Tori Wilson is getting ready for her match in her sexy Santa clothes, and uh, Taz says, "How would you describe that?" And Cole says, "Uh, hot." <laughs> you know. Because hot lady have big sexy boobs. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get plenty of that. Don't worry. But first, we got to go to big ol' ass. Indeed, we do. Urkishi versus Rhino. Um, You know, two guys who exemplify WWE's patriotism. (laughs) Uh, 
we see Black Hawk helicopters flying through the background. They, and okay, so these helicopters fly by a couple of times, and each time the camera like zooms in on them and like makes they make a big deal about the helicopters. Like, yeah, you're in. Okay, one helicopters anywhere are not that big a deal. Two, you're in a war zone. There's gonna be helicopters. Yeah. Um. Michael Cole tells this story about Rikishi seeing an Iraqi child with one leg. Oh, man. I wonder who could have done that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it's almost I like will say, we occupied their country and wounded a bunch of children? No. Yeah. I don't think they're making the point they think they're making. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not. I will say they do they do break from talking about the soldiers the whole time in this match to talking about Rikishi's ass a bunch. Yes, yes. Well, those are the two most important things. They keep saying the phrase rump shaking. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> those groans just like this whole show just groans. Um, so, uh, Rikishi's gonna catch Rhino with a nice super kick. He's gonna try for a bonsai drop from the second rope, but Rhino gets his knees up. Rhino charges at Rikishi in the corner again, but Rikishi gets out of the way and falls up with the Samoan drop for the three count. Yeah, this uh, match was maybe two minutes. Very quick, but he does give Rhino the stink face afterwards, because, I mean, you gotta, right? I guess you do. Um, and then they get, uh, they get a couple of troops in the ring to come dance with them, and one's got a gun! Yeah, no, both of them do! You didn't notice this? Okay, so one brings a whole rifle into the ring, and the other has a pistol strapped to them that's just dangling around while they dance! Yeah, so... It's got to be one of the few times that a real gun has ever entered a wrestling ring. Yeah, no, and I get that, like, you're you're in a war zone or whatever, but they're just standing in a crowd with this gun? Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen? Like, what are you going to do with that gun? <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Cole says they should have sent Rikishi down the hole where Saddam Hussein came from. I guess so he could put his ass in his face? So he could fart down there, man. Make the soul stink. Just just put, rub his... Put his stink hole in his stink hole. Just rub his old booty right on his face, you know, I guess. Though, thinking about them having the guns bring them into the ring, I don't see, when they show the shots of the crowd, I don't see anyone else with guns, so that almost makes me think that that was, like, 100% purposeful. Yeah. That Vince was like, let's get some guns in there. Um, so next we're going to do some more backstage earlier in the week. Troops meeting with, uh, with, uh, with troops and stuff. Troops Um, meeting with troops? Troops meeting with troops, and uh, and John Cena, who later like becomes like a a does a troop gimmick, comes out, but he's still a rapper now. And here's the thing, I had to bring up these rap lyrics 
Uh, yeah, no, and it's a good thing you did. Though I would like to mention that the commentary mentions that Cena's been getting into rap-offs with the troops because apparently rap battle is the word that they forgot. Um, but yeah, no, uh, hit, hit us with those those fire lyrics. So he says some things here. Um, I think my my all the 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 most fucked up one has to be like. All I gotta do left to do is give Tori Wilson a pearl necklace. Yeah, what? He's just gonna give her some jewelry. Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with that, Peyton? I can't believe John Cena, the most requested Make a Wish person, went on TV in front of a bunch of troops and says, "Hey, I want a nut on her throat." Hey, man, there's a reason all those kids are requesting him. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. So that he can do these raps for them, Peyton. Oh, okay. I don't think he does the raps anymore. Oh, but uh, you think if there was a sick kid that he wouldn't rap for a sick kid? Please do the Tory Wilson pearl necklace rap. It's my final (laughs) wish. Uh, He says, I may be wrestling a giant, but the real big show is in my crotch. Oh. This next one's my favorite one. You're talking about Big Show beating me is like trying to get the French to fight. Oh, dunking on the French for not taking part in a pointless forever war. And he manages to work 9-11 into it. He says something about the day the buildings fell. And again, you know, this has nothing to do with 9-11. But I can't believe John Cena manages managed to rap about 9-11. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um... He leaves, but uh, not without leaving a bad taste in all of our mouths. <laughs> I can't believe that this this happened. Um, we're backstage again, and, and Steve Austin runs into Eddie Guerrero. He asks if he brought one of his lowriders. On a plane, Steve? Yes, yeah, Steve. How do you think he would have gotten a whole car over here? Uh, he says no, because th- they thought he might use the hydraulics on Saddam's head. Man, we are really just just fucking giving it to Saddam Hussein. Yeah, man. Uh, and then Austin tells him that Benoit said he was going to lie, cheat, and steal. And Eddie's like, but no, that's my thing. <laughs> uh, more troop Christmas wishes, more hanging out with the troops before we get to our next match. Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Who seem to just like whenever they don't have a storyline or don't have like a like anything to do, they just throw these two together. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, I mean, these two probably put on the best match of the show. I mean, out of like four. Uh, but yeah, it's so still it's not, not great. But you're definitely right. Much. It's the best of the of the not great. Um, there's a guy holding a sniper rifle over the entrance. Just in case one of these wrestlers gets unruly. Oh my god. Um, Taz and Michael Cole talk about how they're both great athletes and great friends, and that Benoit is a very heavy snorer, apparently. Yeah, man. Glad that he's finally getting some rest now. Oh my god. (laughs) You can cut that. Uh... Apparently, they all slept on cots in one of Saddam Hussein's 300 palaces, which I refuse to believe that there are 300. Okay, okay, 300. I heard three, 
but uh, 300 seems a lot more WWE. They definitely said 300, and I there's just no way I'm I'm believing that. Uh, yeah, and they're like, you think of a palace, you think of a cool, good place, but this is a bad stink place where there's no furniture because we took it all out. <laughs> we took it all out? Yeah, I mean, like, we, we raided those oh, compounds, oh, and, like, I'm sure that saying. they were decent before. Uh, Eddie uh, is going to put on a flak vest for some reason, and the ref tries to get him to take it off, and then he starts counting? Like, he's going to disqualify him for wearing the flak vest, yeah. Today is the day I learned that you can be counted out for wearing a flak vest, which has to be one of the weirdest ways to lose a wrestling match. I didn't realize that flak vest could protect you against punches. I thought it was just shrapnel. Apparently. Uh, he hits Benoit with the vest and then slams him into the corner. Um, at one point, uh, he, Benoit tries to suplex Eddie over the top rope, but they both fall over the top. Yeah, I noticed that big old botch. Uh, well, this uh, that wasn't really the botch. I think that was supposed to happen. But at one point, Eddie's on the top rope, and Benoit tries to do like an electric chair. But Eddie reverses it into a sunset flip powerbomb, and that just kind of just... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, where Eddie just, like, falls, and then Benoit is like, I guess I'll fall too. Um, Benoit goes for the two German suplexes, and then for a third, but Eddie gets out. uh, Tries to hit a tilt-whirl backbreaker, but Benoit reverses it into a shoulder breaker. Benoit goes for the flying headbutt, Eddie rolls out of the way. Eddie goes for a frog splash, and Benoit rolls out of the way. Uh, in the middle of the ring, they do this big, long reversal sequence that finally ends with Eddie rolling up Benoit and getting his feet on the ropes for a three-count. Uh, he puts on the flak vest again in the helmet, and he gets back in the ring, and the ref asks if Eddie used the ropes to win, and he's like, no, and the ref's like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Eddie starts a USA chant, and then they shake hands. Yeah, even though he just did... Oh, I'm the dirty bad man wrestler who's going to cheat and steal, but now we're friends because this is America. Yeah. Well, but people like it. People like it when Eddie cheats. It's endearing. Um, More troop wishes, more wrestlers hanging out with troops, and at one point they even showed the same clip of Eddie Guerrero uh, getting out of, like, a van. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, oh, okay, so we're just... We've run out of footage already? Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember who says this. I think it might be Bradshaw or someone, but they, he says, since 9-11, there hasn't been a major terrorist attack on America. Yeah. But like, how many were there before? Well, you know, that was one thing that George W. loved to tout during his presidency, is like, there's not been one since 9-11. Like... Yeah, but, like, 9-11, like, set us straight for a long time. That was, like, ten terrorist attacks. Yeah, we were good after that one. That really, um, really uh, filled the the void of terrorist attacks we weren't having. That's just such, like, a, like a weird, like, a weird flex, you know? Yeah, I'm surprised, honestly, that uh, Donald Trump hasn't come out with some of that now. Yeah. Just to tout as an achievement of really having achieved nothing. 
It's like if I was at work and I was like, it's like if a doctor was like, I haven't killed anyone since the last time I killed someone. <laughs> so, hey, remember that time you left scissors in somebody? I was like, yeah, but I haven't done it again. <laughs> it's been two whole years and I haven't had a single scissor incident yet. It was a goof. Uh <laughs> So now we're going to go to our, our, our next one here. It's the Santa's Little Helper co- Contest because we got to give these troops something to get horny about. Yeah, um, just yikes. Tori Wilson, Dawn Marie, and Sable are all coming out in their sexy Santa costumes because Hot Lady got sexy boobies. Of course, and I do like here in your notes you have written, sexy boobies. Yeah. Hot Lady got sexy boobies. Uh... Uh, Taz and Michael Cole do point out that the rules for this match were never explained uh, <laughs> at first. And, and then they start explaining the rules, which was just, they're going to dance and you clap for who you like. Yep. And um, it's going to get real gross. Taz says this line, some of these men haven't been home in many months, which basically means these boys are desperate for a fuck. I, and Okay, my favorite part about this is that the... Whenever they show the shots of the crowd, there's, like, all these, like, guys that, you know, and, like, okay. Also, when I was a kid, I saw soldiers, and I was like, wow, big man soldier. And now I see the soldiers here, and I'm like, wow, those are kids. These are yeah. literal children. Uh, I, Yeah, so that's dark. But you see all these boys that are, like, real hype, and then every woman in the crowd is just, like, visibly uncomfortable. Yeah. It's weird. It's a it's it's a weird thing, but this is like prime 2003 WWE. Oh yeah. Uh it's not really a dance so much as it is just strip teasing. Uh Tori literally takes her clothes off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Taz makes a weird dick joke where he says, "I think the cannons are pointed towards the ring." Motherfucker just talking about these troops big old penises. Yep. Huh. <sighs> uh Tori obviously gets the most applause, and then Dawn Marie and Sable attack her. She kicks them so hard she knocks herself down, and then she takes off Sable's dress thing. Yeah, because Sable didn't—she didn't want to do a bunch of strip. She wanted to be modest, and then that's why she lost, and the one that took off the most clothes won. There you go. Um. Uh, we go to more montages from earlier in the week where the wrestlers go to a trauma hospital. Uh, one guy talks about how this, how great this is for the troops and how happy they are. At one point, they show a clip from the show that hasn't happened yet. Oh my god, really? They show them all in the ring at the end in this montage, which has not happened yet. So we're just kind of like <laughs> giving, getting rid of any notion that this was live. Uh, and now we're going to go to, believe it or not, our, our, uh, final match, which this match is Big Show versus John Cena. And not too long after this, they end up wrestling each other at WrestleMania 20. And this match feels like it was a practice for that match because it follows a lot of the same booking. Like it, it, it follows like the ending is very similar. Huh. Uh, which makes it feel very weird. So it just feels like it's a practice match for their WrestleMania match. Um, they talk about how Big Show had to make a makeshift bed to, like, put two beds together because he couldn't fit on the cot because he's big, big, big boy. 
he's big show. He's the big show. Um, John Cena's going to run straight down the ring, start brawling with Big Show. Uh, this one has a little bit of a storyline here because Big Show cost him the shot at the WWE title a few weeks ago. Yeah, but you, wouldn't, show- uh, you wouldn't know that there's much of a storyline based on how much commentary is, again, not talking about the match. Yeah. Uh, Big Show hits a chokeslam right out of the gate, but Cena rolls to the outside. He grabs him by the head and pulls him to the apron, but Cena pulls Show down throat first on the top rope. He gets back to the ring, gets a big clothesline. Um, at one point, Big Show's going to try for a big boot, but Cena ducks, and Show takes out the ref. Uh, big Show takes John Cena's chain, wraps it around his fist, and he swings, but Cena kicks him in the crotch, follows up by hitting Show with the chain, and pins him, but Big Show kicks out. Big Show tries for a choke slam, but Cena drops behind him and manages to lift him up for the FU and covers for the three count, which is very similar to how the WrestleMania 20 match ends, except for John Cena gets his brass knuckles and hits him with it instead, and then he does two FUs. Yeah. Huh. Um, so it's pretty much just practice, but uh, John Cena gets a big win over Big Show, the U.S. champion at this point, so that's pretty pretty nice. Uh, yeah, um, and I will say it is—it's always impressive to see anyone, especially John Cena, lift the Big Show. Yeah, I noticed that all the this was all faces winning for every match, which I guess you have to do if you're doing a show for the troops. You don't want heels winning. Yeah, but. you couldn't bring. Uh, man, I just wish Sergeant Slaughter would have reprised his Iraqi gimmick and come over. Yeah, where the fuck was that guy? <laughs> man, I can't imagine what they would do. Uh, if they had Muhammad Hassan around for the for the Christmas in Iraq. Shows. Oh man, what year was that? Two thousand four. Uh, but I think he came around towards the end of two thousand four, and so I, I think he missed out on the tribute to the troops, and he was gone by the summer of two thousand five. So yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Austin's music hits, and he walks down to the ring. Uh, they get face-to-face and Cena's doing the You Can't See Me. And then Austin hits Cena with a stunner, which I think this is really cool because that has to be the only time this has ever happened where Austin gives Cena a stunner. Huh. Because they're, they're like wrestlers from two different times. Right, so I right. Think that is, so, really that cool. is cool. I think while Steve Austin hasn't wrestled everyone, he's managed to give a stunner to just about everyone. <laughs> um, even Donald Trump. Uh, and then he's going to hit Big Show with a stunner, but he doesn't take him down, so he hits him with another stunner. And then he calls out Santa's little helpers, and they come out holding hands. Aw, they're friends. Yeah, well, because everyone's got to be friends at the end of this very special episode of SmackDown. Yeah, the whole locker room starts pouring out, which is really only about 12 people. <laughs> um, and then Austin t- talks to Fitz McMahon. He says, he's not my favorite person in the world, but he's the guy who made all this possible. And the Big Show starts stumbling toward Austin, and I'm pretty sure he makes some kind of gay joke here. Because uh, he's like, hey, don't touch me, or I'm going to think you're... Uh. And he gives Show another stunner, and he thanks all the troops, and he throws a beer bash with everybody in the ring. And that's apparently how you have to end every very special episode of uh, of any sort of wrestling, because this is exactly how they ended the ECW tribute. That is true. Yeah, there was a period of time where Stone Cold would just come out at the end of shows and stunner everybody and then drink beer and leave. Actually, I mean, that's kind of like his thing. That's just what he does. 
Um, um, so your thoughts? Uh, just weird and bad, man. Weird and bad. Um, it didn't get you in the Christmas spirit? It didn't get me in the Christmas spirit or the warfighting spirit either, weirdly enough. Um, and that's the, the biggest problem with all of this is that much like the war itself, it just felt really unnecessary. Yeah. Well, they're going to continue doing this for 16 more years, and I assume they're still doing it to this day. Um, and they start calling it tribute to the troops and going to other places. Uh, although one thing they keep up is uh, they pretty much always have somebody dress up as Santa. Well, That's... yeah, I mean, I, you kind of have to. It's kind of like how, I, you know, every year at Survivor Series, you absolutely have to have a gooker. Yeah, I, except for I don't think that that is true, though. No, it, it is. They don't oh, always show him okay. on camera, but he's always hiding there under the ring in his big ol' egg. Hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, it was just a, just last week where they had their uh, their la- their most recent edition of Tribute to the Troops in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Because they've just started, they just started doing them in the U.S. now. Yeah, uh, save a little money on that. Um, yeah, well, because I then, mean, they gotta go, they gotta go to Saudi Arabia. That's where all the big money goes. Yeah, and you also have to like now. It's not um, the government doesn't like people to remember that we have troops overseas. So yeah, yeah that's a big no. Hey, just to give you an idea of the times of these matches, here are the times each match lasted. First match, APA versus World's Greatest Tag Team, 4 minutes 38 seconds. Rikishi versus Rhino, 2 minutes 28 seconds. Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit, 11 minutes 38 seconds. And John Cena versus Big Show, 4 minutes and 12 seconds. So, like, almost, what, that's almost 20 minutes, a little over 20 minutes of wrestling? Yeah. Wow. And and the... The second longest match was not even five minutes. Wow. So. Yeah, so, so yeah, a little over 20 minutes in total of wrestling in this hour and 24 minutes uh, of, of show, not including the commercials. So. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, Which means for the troops, this was, like, way boring, because that's all they saw. Yeah, for real, man. If you actually attended this thing, you would be so bored. Yeah. Man, in the in uh, 2008, they only had two matches. Wow. And neither of them were more than ten minutes. Jeez. So. That's, uh... That's something. Um, well, I guess it's uh, it's time for us to wrap things up here at Turbuckle Training. Uh, we're going to take a little break, a little Christmas break, uh, and we'll come back to you guys after New Year's with some more excellent content uh, coming down the pipe we do have. I, I certainly hope we do. You do? I do. You do? Yes. I'm just buying time before I can... Okay. So our next episode, we're going to talk about Chris Jericho, uh, who is uh, kind of like a mainstay in wrestling. Guy's been doing it forever and has a pretty interesting career. So that'll be coming to you guys. Uh, I believe we're... Let's... Uh, let's 
come back to you guys the first week of January after the New Year's and after Christmas. So enjoy your holidays, guys. Uh, Zach, you got any fun Christmas plans? Um, well, you know, I think that I'm going to go hang out with Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think that's the only thing you can do. Yeah, and, uh, you I know, mean, we're going to, we're going to kick it and. Who knows, who knows Christmas better than the old Sarge? Yeah, I, you know, isn't it crazy that, like. Okay, Sergeant Slaughter in in the previous episode in Survivor Series does his his Saddam gimmick, right? And like, like he's such a bad dude. Oh man! And we just like we just don't get him. We just don't do that until thirteen years later. Yeah, man, Sergeant Slaughter is so disappointed. Actually, I guess he's happy because he likes Saddam Hussein. Yeah. I, I would love to know if that was the last gimmick Slaughter did. Well, I mean, he's come back as, like, regular Sergeant Slaughter. Okay, fair enough. Plenty of times. <laughs> well, uh, remember, guys, you can always follow us on Twitter, at Turnbuckle Train. Uh, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover. And uh, enjoy your holidays. I hope Santa is very good to you and does not give you a Stone Cold Stunner. I want... If, okay, if I walked into my living room and Stone Cold was there and he gave me a Stunner, that would be the best Christmas gift of all. It would be. If I ever meet Stone Cold, I'm going to say, please give me a Stunner. And he's going to be like, are you sure? And I'm going to be like, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm going to sell that shit like The Rock. I'm going to do a backflip. <laughs> Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin! The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch! Oh, my God! I did it for the rock.